Well, praise the Lord. Well, Sunday, um, I guess Dad liked the prayer prayer night so much that he said, man, that was pretty good. He goes, um, how about you just preach that Wednesday? And I'm like, oh, my goodness, I, I don't, that was all that the Lord gave me. And Mom goes, oh, just put a couple of scriptures and you'll be fine. Just talk. You're going to talk for an hour. And <laughs> I love how, how easy my family is just like, ah, just put a couple of scriptures behind it. Talk about it. You'll be great. Um, tonight, I actually want to talk about a subject called giving yourself to prayer. Um, as lately, you know, Sunday night's prayers have been pretty amazing. I don't know um, if anybody has been coming to Sunday night prayer. I know, who, who was at, at Sunday night prayer this last week? Okay, good. So, so most of you probably haven't heard um, what happened. So I've been um, listening to Mark Hangins a lot on prayer and studying a lot on prayer, I think, just, and so it's kind of apropos that now we're talking a lot more on prayer, especially in the times that we're in. Prayer is really, like Mary Frances, a track that you're going to run on. Prayer is also what sustains you, especially in a time when there's things happening all around you. It's amazing how you get into prayer, and it's like you, everything just clears, and you get on this, you kind of get lost for a while. You ever prayed in the Spirit for an hour or two, and you can't remember what in the world was even going on that day? You just feel so good at the end of it, like the peace with God. And then you go about your day, and everyone's watching the news, and you're just like, oh, you're singing, and like Teresa, she walks through the, the office singing and dancing and praising the Lord. You know she stays in prayer. Sometimes I think Teresa's in her own world. Might not, might not be a bad thing, especially now, nowadays. Um, so kind of one of the first things that I want to get into is talking about Old Testament people who prayed, and then we're going to get into the New Testament people who prayed, and I want to talk about a little bit about the authority of a, as a believer. So we're going to go to Psalms 109, uh, verse 4. We're going to talk about David. Now, David was a mighty man of God. David, um, God took David out of being a shepherd boy to becoming a giant slayer, fighting, took the armies of Israel to take Israel, uh, take the, the people of Israel to victory over all the kings that had surrounded them. And David, even as a man after God's own heart, and David giving a billion dollars, like Mark says when he added up um, the book of Chronicles, he was a man who was still very much given to prayer, even in Old Covenant. Psalms 109 verse 4, he says this, Do not keep silent, O God of my praise, for the mouth of the wicked and the mouth of the deceitful have opened against me. They have spoken against me with a lying tongue, and they have surrounded me with words of hatred. And they fought against me without cause. How many have ever had people who just speak bad about you? All the time something bad is being said. David's obviously going through this. But he says, in return from my love for my accuser. So he's loving people. And he's getting in return a lot of hate. And people speaking against him while he's trying to love them. But he says, but I give myself to prayer. And I love that about somebody going through a heavy trial with people, and there's times when people, things are, people are talking, things aren't going right. I always love to go back to, I give myself. And I believe that he's talking about not just giving itself once, but giving himself as a lifestyle to prayer, right? Acts um, chapter 6, verse 1 through 4. Now in those days, oh, sorry, I know you guys are turning over there. I'm, I'm kind of just reading because I, I want to get down to the end, um, so I may burn through some of these earlier scriptures. But in the book of Acts, 
the disciples, the ministry had started to grow so much, the disciples were no longer allowed, were able to help with the, the needs of what the everyday common things that were happening. And, you know, people were getting neglected. And that, <laughs> we're, there's a lot of things. This church has grown so fast. I mean, just this last week, you know, the, there's been carpet put in, the, um, the, the portico's being redone, the stage was done, the trim was done, Bible school's happening. I mean, it's happening so fast, and there's daily needs, and people have stepped up to do that. But what's one thing is that the disciples said, now, in chapter 6, was now in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there rose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were being neglected by the daily distribution. When the twelve summoned the multitudes of the disciples and said, it's not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables, therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Really, as a leader, the biggest fight you're ever going to have, or someone who's wanting to get into leadership, someone who's, we got Bible school students, people who want to get into ministry, the biggest fight you'll ever had is staying in prayer, giving your life to prayer. Because ministry is going to get busy, and, um, it, you know, and their number one business as a leader is going to be prayer. Um, I think, let's, I want to, I'm going to, uh, Mark Hankins says, the biggest fight as a leader and failure will be prayerlessness. Copeland says, every failure will be a prayer failure. Dr. Cho said that many people will come to his church from America. Now, he pastors over a, a million people. And he says they want to know about small groups. They want to know about, um, you know, how everything in the church runs. They want to know about leadership. But he says that when he begins to talk about prayer, he says none of them want to hear it. And he says, my ministry, my church was built solely on prayer. Not solely, but it was the main thing, he says, in his tapes was on prayer. But he says most American churches, he said most churches in general don't want to hear that. Dr. Cho, um, I'm trying to aspire to be like this. <laughs> it's very hard. He wakes up two hours, 5 o'clock a.m., and he prays for two hours every single day. doesn't matter if it's Saturday, Sunday, two hours every day before he'll ever accept one phone call. He'll ever... Um, go into the office, he'll accept one meeting, two hours every day. And Mark Hankin says he had a friend that would let a small group for Dr. Cho, and he said just to be a small group leader, he prays in the spirit for three hours every day. And talk about, I'm going to read from his book in a minute, talking about his church, and talking about how, you know, he talks about how they went from 50,000 people to now they're over a million people. And he says the main secret to his success was giving himself to prayer as a leader. Because how does a leader, you can, like dad always says, it doesn't matter how many programs you do, they may not work for your church. And you're really dealing, and he talks in his book, The Fourth Dimension, about a spiritual battle. Because everything in the spirit, will actually, what happens in the spirit, then it happens in the natural. Because it needs to happen there for us. Because man is a spirit, he has a soul, and he lives in a body, right? So the spirit is the dominant thing. You're created from God as a spirit. Like Mark Hankins says, you're big pneuma. I mean, you're, he's, God's big pneuma, you're little pneuma. So the spirit is the dominant piece of you. But the spirit realm, like Mary Friend says, was always the greater. And the greater affects the lesser. And so if we're not giving ourselves to prayer like we should, that's why things aren't happening like we want. That Things you want to see, things we want to see. And it's hard because you're... You're sitting on your couch saying, I'm going to pray for an hour tonight, and you may end up doing 20 minutes, and you're like, this, that's it. 
I got stuff to do. And it is very hard. But I've noticed since we started praying in this church for an hour every day, good Lord. I'm telling you, things pop, it's um, carpet is popping, and things are being built, and things are happening. The Bible school is happening. And I'm thinking, Nicole, take a break. Quit praying. (laughs) But at first, it seems like nothing's happening. But, I mean, we've been protected since the COVID. We haven't had a lot of the problems. We're not going through a lawsuit like there's other churches that are going through lawsuits right now. I believe that the prayer that happened Monday through Tuesday through Friday or Saturday, Friday, was because the people, uh, people came up freely on their own. Uh, Lloyd comes up every now and then. People will just come in from work. They'll just pray for an hour and go home. And I think we don't think it's a big deal. But I think God thinks it's a really big deal. Because I'm going to tell you something that happened to me Sunday that I share with a prayer group that even blew my mind. And so um, I would like to go. So obviously the biggest things you'll ever deal with and, and, and ministry. And even I believe as the more you grow in God, Satan is going to try to pull you from that prayer life. It's going to get harder and harder. Because the more you're starting to desire spiritual things, Satan is going to get you busy. Because like Paul says, when he began to go to Revelations, then Satan sent a messenger to buffet him lest he be exalted above measure. Because he's, getting all, he's carrying the New Testament around in him, or three quarters of the New Testament. And Satan does not want that to happen. So you can just look at Paul's life and everything he did. But even I Googled today all the prayers Paul prayed, and there was a lot. Paul was a man of prayer in the New Testament. So prayer is one of the most important things you'll do as a believer for doing the will of God. You are spirit. Prayer is how work gets done. And I said Paul was a prayer. So um, so, so funny, Dr. Cho says, if your church is 3,000 people or smaller, you just have a prayer group, which is, which is very funny. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in. I want to read something from his book before I go to Old Covenant Prayers. I was reading today, and he said this, I cannot carry out my ministry of winning souls by simply knocking on doors, struggling and working myself to death. I use the ways of faith, and the church is growing by leaps and bounds. And even through our church has more than 50,000 registered members. Now, this is back when he had 50,000 members. He's got one million now. Um, Registered members, even when I go to the office, I do not have a great deal to do. For I follow the path of faith. I'm not constantly striving in my flesh to bring it to pass those things which the Holy Spirit can do easily. I learned that even while I minister in foreign countries, I can go into the fourth dimension of the Holy Spirit. I tell him what I need in my church in Korea, and he carries out the work. I call my wife about every two days, and she's continually giving me information, which has served sometimes as a blow to my ego. I used to think that the members of my church would be very anxious for my return from my trips abroad, that they would all be waiting for me, and that I was sure that Sunday service attendance would go down. She said, don't brag about it. The church is doing better, even better without having you here. I mean, if that is what, I mean, we need to obtain to that, that me and dad and mom can just leave and the church is growing and thriving. But but I love it what he said, (laughs) dad's in faith. He uses the law of faith. And he tells the Holy Spirit, this is what I need done in my church. And then he says, that's what gets done. But think about that for your business. Think about that. Um, I was telling mom about something that happened to me the other night. I've been waiting on something for a year. This company has not been writing me back. I've been through so many different customer service agents for these pants. One, two pairs of pants that I ordered a year ago that had all kinds of complications and problems. 
So after nine, six or seven months, I'm so fed up that I said, angels, I command you, because the Bible says angels are ministering spirits, you know, ready to minister to those that will be heirs of salvation. Now, you know, Rick Renner says in the Greek that the word, that word when he's in the scripture, ministering spirits, actually means a servant who serves in the royal palace. And he says that an angel is to serve like that of a king, but he serve, you know, because we're kings and priests. But the Greek word means like a servant in a palace who brings the king every need, and he does it in a way that's prompt. He does it in a way that's well presented. He does it in a way that would please the king. He said that's how that Greek word translates angels will be ministering spirits to serve those who would inherit salvation. I thought that was pretty neat. Very professional. I mean, think about the king says, I want this now, or I want this done, and this is the way I want it done. I mean, those servants hop, jump, skip throughout the kingdom, and they get it done for the king. But Rick Renner was saying that's how angels, the Lord told the angels, this is how you're to serve my people, serve the kings and priests of God, the sons of God. So um, I told the angels to go deal with this company who's been holding these, these um, two pairs of pants for a year. And not even, I said, what, the next day they wrote me back and said, here's your, they gave me one gift card, and then I got no response for another 13 days, and that's when I got fed up. It's been nine months. I prayed, and the next day they wrote me back. I waited for a bunch of days, and I'm sitting at my computer. Maybe I should write a fifth email, because I wrote four emails. <laughs> Hello, you know, first it's, um, it's, hey, did you know I had two pairs of pants in this receipt? Next email is, you know, have you seen this? Can I get a follow-up? Third email, I'm, I don't even know what I said at that point. And I'm thinking, it's been four, 13, 14 days. I can't, they have no phone number with these new businesses. No phone number. I'm thinking, good Lord, how do these people even make money? So I got mad. I said, in the name of Jesus, angels, deal with these people. Don't let them sleep until my order is complete because I've paid for these items and I want them in Jesus' name. The next day they wrote me back and gave me another gift card to complete these transactions. After, I was like, I'm going to start praying over everything. And the Bible says pray about everything. I mean, how many things happen and we just, we pray about some things, but we don't pray about everything in our life. And I, I think, believe God wants us to pray about everything. And so um, he, was, he, uh, he was talking about, the Lord was, uh, Dr. Cho was talking about Jacob in Genesis. And he says he always skipped over this where, you know, this, the speckled sheep, he, he speckled the board so the sheep would see and um, he says, I would always come to this part of scripture and skip it in fear worrying about there was a portion of the Bible I could not trust. One day while reading the Bible under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, I came again to this verse and said, I'm going to skip this part. This is all superstition. But the Holy Spirit said, wait a minute, nothing in the Bible is superstition. The matter is you don't understand. You are blind, but I'm only applying a special law of creation here. You watch. So he goes back and says, Jacob would stand day in and day out watching the animals in front of these spotted and speckled rods. The Bible says that soon afterwards, these animals gave birth to the spotted and speckled offering, um, offspring. God created a vision and dream in the mind of Jacob and his subconscious because before he had been full of poverty, failure, and cheating, so his struggle was hard and his rewards were few. But God changed Jacob's imagination. I believe that you're going to have to see differently. Like dad says, you're going to have to use your other set of eyes. Even in prayer, you're going to have to see what you can't see. You're going to have to always be looking with your, your second set of eyes to see in the, the manifestation already there. And even in prayer, believing what you pray and leaving it alone and walking away from it. And um, so I'm going to go to Daniel 7, 1 through 2, because I want to get into this about Daniel. 
look, I want to talk about how powerful Daniel was. And we've been learning about this in, the, in class. Daniel was an Old Testament prophet. He was a seer. You have now been created one with Jesus. But watch how powerful this one man was under an old covenant where the Holy Spirit would come on them and prompt them, but Christ didn't live in them. And look at what one man did to a whole entire nation. 7, 1 through 12, in the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head while on his bed. Then he wrote down the dream telling the main facts. I always find that interesting. I don't, we don't always talk about that. And I'm going to talk about some, a piece of a dream that I had. And I actually do that. When I, when I see something that's just, I don't write down everything, but when I see something that's very vivid, that I feel like the Lord's speaking to me, I'll just write down. And what's funny is I never remember all the other baloney that's in the dream. But I always remember the main facts. When I read that, I said, hey, I guess me and Daniel have had the same experience. Um, Daniel 8, 15 through 19. Then it happened when I, Daniel, had seen the visions and was seeking the meaning. Then suddenly there stood before me one having the appearance of a man. And I heard a man's voice between the banks of Uai who, who called and said, Gabriel, make this man understand the vision. So he came near where I stood. And when he came, I was afraid and fell on my face. And he said to me, understand, son of man, the vision refers to the time of the end. Now, as he was speaking to me, I was in a deep sleep with my face to the ground, but he touched me and I stood upright. That really caught me because a lot of times I think people are reading this and thinking this is happening in um, what Brother Hagen has talks as a, as a bigger visitation when it's really Daniel's talking that he's in a sleep state and this angel comes to him and says something to him. And so, you know, I don't think that Every dream that happens is always from God, but I do think there's times where he will speak if you're listening. Like Mary Fran says, are you looking at the burning bush? If you see something that's, and you start paying attention to it, the small things. He who is faithful with little will be faithful with much. Years ago, I began writing down all of them, you know, and then I think as I did that, they became greater. Because you're faithful. With those, I mean, if you feel like God speaks a small thing to you, write it down. Because what you're saying is, I'm paying attention. Moses in the desert. I see the burning bush. There's a, it's a desert. There's burning bushes everywhere. But you're taking time to the small things, like Dr. Barral says, and writing them down or being faithful. If the Lord says, you know, give an extra offering this week to this person or do this for that person or go help. Poppy's always bringing me food. I feel like, you know, there's days I come in, I'll have no lunch, and uh, he comes walking in the food. Sometimes it's the small things, right? When you're faithful with the small little things, God begins to give you greater. And I believe that you'll start seeing greater in whatever area of your life that you're believing for. But I, but, um, I want to just talk to this about, you know, because the Bible says a lot about dreams. Um, Daniel 9, 1 through 4. So in the first year of Darius the son of Azarus and the lineage of Medes, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood the books and the number of years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolation of Jerusalem. I set my face towards the Lord God and made request by prayer and supplication with fasting, sackcloth and ashes, and I prayed 
to the Lord my God and made confessions and said. You know how the book, the New Testament, talks about holding fast your confession of faith? I find it interesting that even the Old Testament, Daniel was confessing the word of Jeremiah. Isn't that funny? And how he's confessing the word. He's confessing what the prophet said to come to pass. You have one man who's an old covenant man who's standing in the gap of Israel saying it's 70 years. It's time for the prophecy to be fulfilled. He's opening the word of Jeremiah. He's confessing that this is what's about to happen. And next thing you know, it says, um, I don't know if I'm going to go to this, but this is basically what happens. He prays, and it says that an angel started to make its way towards Daniel and he showed up, and he, and he says that from the first day that you set your heart to understand these things and you prayed, your words were heard, and I've come because of your words. But he said, the prince of Persia withstood me 21 days in the heavens. Michael the archangel had to come to bail Gabriel out. Now imagine that, you know, you have powers, principalities, and rulers of the darkness in the heavenly places. Brother Hagen's book, Dad could tell you which one it is, it could be visions, tells you the ranking of demons versus which ones are on the earth, which ones are in the heavens, and the, the three words, and what are their ranks and realms. And one of them, I think it's uh, power, rulers of the darkness, is in the heavens, which is the atmosphere above us, that's constantly warring and fighting to keeping, like Mary Francis, the, the open communication, the portals of the word of the Lord coming in. Now, I've... The, the funny thing is, as an old covenant person, he has no authority over demons, right? He's just there at the mercy of, his, of him praying the, he's praying the word. I believe the word is what brought, because even though he doesn't have authority, like Jesus said to the disciples, he actually has the word of God, and God says, my word will never return void. I believe that's how that worked. He stood on that word, praying it. And, I mean, he stood on it for 21 days until the, the angel came and said, now, actually, Gabriel came once before, which was actually funny. Talked to him about another dream he had, went back, and then he, Daniel prayed again about another prophecy, and then he came again. So he had two visitations, but the second time Gabriel came, Gabriel, Gabriel got held up in the heavens, which I think if you read through Daniel 7 through 9, it's very interesting how that, that plays out. And so I want to tell you... Um, something that happened Sunday night, and I believe it, it's in relation to America. I believe it's in relation to the president because this has started happening to me, and Mary Fran kind of let the cat out of the bag the other Sunday when she started talking about um, as the, dream, the things that I see as, as a seer, and I believe this started happening back when I lived with my grandfather, um, and I started reading the book of Colossians, and I started seeing the dark side of things. And because when you start studying the authority of the believer, and dad will tell you this, when you get into that, that dimension of starting to use that, you're going to be met with resistance. You start getting the book of Colossians and, and quoting it to the devil, you're going you're gonna to get met with a force because Satan is, knows he's defeated, but he doesn't want you to be telling him what to do. And so you're going to be met. And so back with my grandfather, I started, thought the house was haunted. <laughs> But I realized I started studying the authority of the believer because that's what the Lord was leading me. And I realized that I started seeing more than I've ever seen before. And so Mary Fran's been a great blessing to me because I would lately I've called her and say, I'm seeing all kinds of crazy stuff and I'm, praying the, I'm always praying the word and quote, confessing the word. And, and she's told me, she says, the more that God can trust you in the word, trust you that you're not going to turn into a fruitcake. <laughs> you know, because, you know, because heaven can trust you with what you're seeing. You're not 
running around telling everybody what you're seeing. I mean, I'd see things about people in this church all the time, and I just pray on it, and then I just be faithful, pray, walk away. And I, you know, and I asked her, should I always say something? She said, no, if the Lord tells you, if not, just leave it alone. Just, maybe he's just bringing it up because he wants you to pray. That's it. So that's what I would do. So Sunday, I've had maybe a couple of these happen the way that they happen. Obviously, I worked about 70 hours last week, and so I was dead tired. I was here until midnight getting the stage set up. Me and Steve had worked all day. And then Sunday, I went home, and I crashed. And I'm thinking, this is going to be the best sleep of my life. Didn't happen. What had happened was is I, was, I went through this dream of, the, of riots, and I was walking through them and watching people argue about this and that, and this needs to be done, this, you know, just arguing. Eventually, I saw an open field, and I saw some church people, and I said, you know what? I'm going to go over there. I went in, and it looked like mom's old house, and there was a bay door, and as I was walking, and it looked like mom's old pasture, anytime I see our old house, I know the Lord, it gets my attention. The Lord's speaking to me, because whatever reason, that house just gets my attention. A storm began to brew in the heavens, and it started to circle, and I'm thinking, ah, it, it, I guess it's hurricane season. I probably should take shelter. And I saw some people from some churches that we knew. And they had a bay door open, and people were going in, hiding. And a storm had started to brew. And I'm thinking in my mind, it's a natural storm. We need to get into hiding. So what happens is, is I end up going in there too. But as I noticed, as I walked closer to the door, I saw kind of like the old Mickey Mouse. I saw it in the sky, speaking to the earth, to the people, slowly. Thinking about what the media and the news has been doing for years, speaking, preaching, telling you their agenda, telling you what they want to do. They've been talking. The enemy's been telling his plan for a long time, and because words are so powerful, you're a spirit, and God created with words, the enemy's been speaking words into the nation through t television programs. And that's what it looked like, a black, white screen in the cloud. And as this thing spoke, like a Mickey Mouse, this thing started turning. I was like, that's really weird. Something's in the sky talking. So I went in there. And I grabbed the bay door and I shut it, and this time the wind's starting to pick up. And I'm thinking, that storm really is getting bad out there. So I grab it and I tried to latch it, and the door's kind of, you know, I'm like, okay, it's bad. You know, it's kind of like the beginning of a hurricane, right? You, stuff's starting to blow. I went downstairs, and there was a lot of church people that I knew downstairs. Everyone's hiding out from the storm. Everyone's waiting for this thing to pass. They think it's a hurricane, it's going to pass. And I saw Superman down there, which was very strange to me. He was wearing his cape but he was very depressed, and he had his head down like this. And I saw church people. I saw people laying hands on people, casting devils out. I saw services going on, kind of like that, a group of us. I'm thinking, this is a very strange experience. Superman's down there. So I go walk back up to the top. By now, the storm has turned full bore into a complete massive, like, Category 5 hurricane. I mean, it is ripping the door off the bay, and everyone is downstairs hiding. And... And um, the door is shaking violently. I grab the door to hold on, and the door is just sh shredding. And this, the wind is in the cloud, and it's getting to where it's like almost an unreal storm. And um, something in my spirit says, speak to the storm. And so I, I, um, I actually started to speak behind the door. I'm holding the door, and it's, and it's so violently, I started saying, in the name of Jesus Stop. I plead the blood of Jesus over you. I command you that I have all authority and power. I command you to quit and cease in Jesus' name. And by now, I rip the door open. And the storm began to, it took back as soon as I began to speak to it. And I saw a long tongue that came out of the heavens like, an, like, an, like a, uh, a small intestine. And it had a tongue at the end. And it was coming in, trying to get into the door, into the church. And I grabbed it. 
and I started speaking the name of Jesus, and it ripped back, and I flew through the sky speaking, and as I got close to this big organism, it turned into a, a man showed up, and he was dressed like Uncle Sam. He was dressed in um, the red, white, and blue, but he was deception. He was acting like a freedom, telling the people that there's a freedom, that this new way that they're going is going to be freedom. This is what America is. It's a re- like the old past revolutions. This is what you're fighting for. And that's what he was speaking. And he said to me these words. He says, you think I'm not done yet? And I said, and I, I took back and I laughed like Mark Hagen's, just ha, 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 like Brother Hagen always says. And he got so, he just smiled and he says, I'm not even done. And he came down from the sky into the earth and Superman was standing behind me, which was funny. I was like, I don't know why he's there. And, um, but, and, this, and he started to come at me, and I said, I'll stop him again. And I, something in my spirit says, no, you won't. You need to pray for that man, which was Superman. He came for Superman. You know what I find ex- really, and he said, he said words to me about the election. He said things about the election. He says, why do they call me these names? And he's talking about uh, sounding like Joe Biden. And I thought it was Trump. And I do think a part of it is Trump, that prayer needs to go up for him because of the attack on him. Because as a believer, um, as authority of the believer, I believe it's two people. I believe it's Trump, and I believe it's, it's possibly the church. The more I thought about it, I really think it's actually the church because Satan is attacking the church, and these people don't know who they are. Trump doesn't know who he is, and you can't go and stop the devil off of him. You're going to have to pray that he's going to get a revelation of who he is, and that's what, and in my heart, it says pray for him. So I turned, and as this thing went for this man, and I mean, it began to beat him up. I'm thinking, that's Superman. There's no way this guy can beat Superman. I began to intercede, and the, everything shook, and I woke up gasping for air because it was so violent. I mean, I was like huffing and puffing, and I'm thinking that was, and to me, it was never, it was just, I went from one area to the next, and I felt like the Lord says, Dad's always saying, I'm Superman. I'm Superman. I need a big S on my shirt, right? Who, what is the church? The church really, think about who is Superman. Superman's unstoppable. He has one weakness as kryptonite, but really if he gets in a fight, nobody can beat him. Nobody can beat him. It don't matter who's coming up with anything. He's the strongest man. He'll lift any building. But think about the authority and the power in the church. And the church is walking around with her head down. They have all this power like Superman, and they're walking around like this because they don't know who they are. And I believe as I focus on that this week, I'm saying, Lord, who was this person? And I believe he's saying to me, Yes, that the president needs prayer, and it, and it is a type of the president as being that man that's been placed in this office, the supernatural office, but it is a type of the church. You have to pray for the church. What, another thing that really took away was, like Daniel, one man praying, you're one person, but now you're one person full of the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't, the Lord said to me, your prayers are more powerful than you realize, because I realized that I, I took authority over one spirit that was causing so much trouble, and there's all these people I'm protecting underground, and it ceased. Think about Jesus, one storm. He didn't get the whole, hey, disciples, grab together with me in hands and let's pray. Yeah. And no, he said, he told the storm to stop. One person, peace be still. Yeah. But now that same Jesus is in every single one of us, and I believe that the Lord's been telling me, you're not thanking you're not using the authority that I've given you the way that you really need to see it. It's not that you have to get together with a whole bunch of people. I mean, one man full of the life of God. It, it, it's, 
Um, so we're going to look at some of that. So I want to go to, um, um, so I already told you uh, what Paul says, a thorn in my flesh was given to me. We're going to go to Ephesians 1, 15 to 23. And I, I've been thinking about it because it was so vivid and real, and I was so wrapped in it that when I woke up, I was so distressed that I was like, there's no way that this is just a dream. This was something of like a visitation the Lord was showing me because this thing would speak to me about what I was saying to it. And, and it speak to me about America. And, um, and I saw all these church people that I knew. I, just, I knew all these churches. But I know what kind of churches they are. I know that they don't teach these things like they should. So um, Ephesians 1, 15 to 23. For this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Paul's praying. God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. Having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, that are the riches of his glorious inheritance to the saints. And watch this, 19. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe? According to the working of his great might, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. He seated him at the right hand in heavenly places far above all rule, authority, and power, and dominion, and every name that is named. Not only in this age, but also which is to come. He put all things under his feet, gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the him, the fullness of all who fills all. But look at 19. What is the immeasurable greatness of his power? Towards who? Towards us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ. He's saying you can't even measure the power of Christ. That, I mean, think about the word power, the authority. And, and he said, and now that's towards you. I mean, there, there's no, me, there, no one will put a measurement on the God kind of power now that lives in you. I believe that the Lord showed me that. And I, I'm just taking that one part of that scripture and just focusing on that. So a lot of times you think, man, I'm one person. What can I really do over these situations? Can I really pray for my city? Can I really pray for my government? Can I really pray for my family and friends? Let's go to Ephesians 3, 14 through 21, because I'm going to, Ephesians 3, 14 through 21, because I want to I drive this home because he uses this um, in his, Paul talks about this word power a lot. For this reason, I kneel before the Father of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is, derives its name. I pray that out of the glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. I pray that you would be rooted and established in love, may have that word power again, together with all the saints to grasp how wide, long, and high, and deep is the love of Christ to know this love that it surpasses knowledge, that you would be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or think and imagine, according to what? His power that's at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever, amen. That word power, I believe, is used for Three or four times in there. With power through a spirit in your inner man. Um, and then it says, um, I, don't, I didn't highlight all the, all the powers, but I, leave, I believe there's four of them. 
and then that according to his power working in us, and that you would be filled with the fullness of God. You'd be filled with all of everything that God is, right? Daniel only had the Holy Spirit come upon him. A New Testament believer has the Holy Spirit living in him. And so the more I believe we focus on these, how much power does a believer really have? I believe that we're not, we're not looking at really what it is that Christ has really done in, in us. Colossians 1, 3 through 14. These are the prayers of Ephesians and the prayers of Colossians, and, and I love them. I pray them all the time. They're, they're really good on, I mean, there's so much in them. I mean, you could take one verse and just think about just that one part of that verse. They're so, they're so rich. All right, Colossians 1, 3 through 14. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying. So he's talking about a life of prayer, that they don't stop praying. They don't, they don't quit asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. I love that. I think it's amazing how it says that you will be filled with all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And I've talked that, taught that before. So you really can know what's going on. And we pray in this order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and you may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God and being strengthened with all power. According to his glorious might, that you may have a great endurance and patience, joyfully giving thanks to the Father who's qualified you to share in the inheritance. But I love Ephesians 1, 3, and Colossians 1 all talk about being strengthened with the God kind of power in you, the God of the universe, the God who put, spoke planets into being, balls of gas, threw them into the air, created everything. And these three, these verses are saying, now that same power is in you. And that's what I believe that the more we study that, the more that revelation, like Paul says, I'll take into revelation because you cannot, um, you cannot walk into the throne room of God and ask for something that you do not know that's rightfully yours, right? I'm going to go to Matthew 11, uh, 10 through 1. Now think about this. This is the time of Jesus. Um, I want to go to another verse. You remember when, I'm going to skip, um, no, I'm not going to skip. I'm just going to keep going. This is Matthew 11, 10, 10 through 11. This is the one about whom it is written, behold, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. Truly I tell you, among these born of women, there has risen no one greater than John the Baptist. Yet even the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he is. For the, last, for the days of John the Baptist, until now the kingdom of heaven has been subject to violence, and the violent lay claim to it. Think about that. I mean, you have Job, the richest man in the world, cried for a mediator between him and God, had no authority over Satan, and God still brought him through. You're greater than Job. Moses led the children out of Egypt and split the Red Sea. You're greater than Moses. Joshua made the sun stand still, and he killed 31 kings, and you're greater than Joshua. David led the armies of Israel to a new reign, defeating their enemies and made plans to build the temple, and gave over a billion dollars, and you're greater than David. 
Elijah called down fire from heaven four times, was translated, killed 450 prophets of Baal, outran a chariot, prayed for rain to stop, prayed for rain to come. He prayed for the woman's boy to come back to life. He prayed that her oil wouldn't run out to the time of the rain, and you're greater than he is. I mean, think about that. And John the Baptist, what did he do? Was he doing any crazy miracles, splitting seas? No. John the Baptist came and just proclaimed that the Christ was coming. And Jesus says that John the Baptist was greater than every one of the Old Testament. I think we read the Old Testament and go, Moses was a great man. Noah built this ark, this huge ark. I mean, how did he know the dimensions to build it? I mean, he didn't even have a forklift or a caterpillar. How did he even cut down trees? And, and all these great people, even dad's favorite story, Shema. <laughs> the man who stood in the middle of a field, killing Philistine after Philistine, protecting a, 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 what was it, how many, 400, 800? I think he killed 800 Philistines. And Jesus says John the Baptist was greater than him. Yeah, he did. And John the Baptist wasn't even born again. All he did was prepare the way for the Lord Jesus Christ. And he told people to start repenting. And Jesus, in his mind, I think we get mixed up. Jesus will look at one person and says, he's greater. And we're thinking, no way, Elijah, he's great. I mean, he's calling down fire. He's praying for rain. He's slaughtering the prophets of Baal. This, he's, he went up in a chariot of fire. And Jesus says, John the Baptist is greater. But then Jesus says, those that are least in the kingdom of God are now greater than John the Baptist and all the prophets of old. I don't think we really realize what Jesus did at the cross. And that's why dad's class has been amazing because of that. I'm going to kind of burn through some of these because they're just quick. It just says, how much authority does Jesus have is what I said. Romans 14, 9, for this reason Christ died and returned to life so that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. Just write these down. 1 Corinthians 15, 27, for God has put everything under his feet. And now when it says that everything has been put under him, this clearly does not include the one who put everything under him. So God's put everything under Jesus' feet, everything. Ephesians 1, 20, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and he seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. And, and dad's getting ahead of me because the next thing I'm going to write is how much authority do you have? Well, actually, we'll go back and read these. Um, I'm going to jump down to Colossians 2, 9 through 11 uh, for her up there. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity dwells in bodily form, and you have been made what? Complete in Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. Luke 10, 17. The 72 return with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons subject to us in your name. Ephesians 3.10, his purpose was that now that the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and the authorities in what? The heavenly realm. I mean, it's talking about heavenly places. The intent that the manifold wisdom of God will be known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. They know who you are. God says, I'm going to make it known that my church is known by them, that the authority that you carry is going gonna, is gonna to exceed those powers in the heavenly places. That means that one person like Daniel, I believe if Daniel was filled with the life of God, Daniel was filled with the authority, I believe he would have said, 
Prince of Persia, get out of the way. Angel, come in Jesus' name. And now it is split. But Daniel was a man with no, no Christ, no Zoe, the life of God in him, right? He was an old, but look what he did. He changed a whole entire nation and, you know, and completely the words of prophecy were fulfilled because of one man, old covenant man, praying. Um, and so if you go back and now, as, as Jesus says, now you are complete in me. So then now you go back and you read Ephesians 1.20, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him. He raised you from the dead. He seated him. He seated you at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Now Ephesians 1.21, now you and Jesus, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, every name that is named, not only in this age, but also the one that's to come. Philippians 2.9, therefore God exalted Jesus and he exalted you in the highest place and gave, him the, gave Jesus the name above every name. And now Jesus is in you and now you have access to that name above every name. And so Jesus has been exalted to the highest realm, which means you have been brought to the highest realm. Hebrews 1, 2, in these last days, he has spoken to us by a son who appointed heir of all things. And through him, he made the universe. I mean, Jesus has got a very high position. He's the heir of everything. 1 Peter 3, 22, who Jesus has gone into heaven with you, the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and, all, and powers subject to him. And subject to who? You. Colossians 2.15, having disarmed the powers and authorities, Jesus, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross, which means you disarmed powers and authorities. You've been made a public spectacle over them by triumphing in the cross. Because like Dad says, who died that day? Jesus didn't need to die for himself. Jesus died for you. So his triumph was your triumph. And so now everything in heaven and earth is now subject. The Bible says that all has been put under his feet. And so if Christ is the head and you're the body, and then everything's under his feet, well, that means that you're, and it says that he's far above all principality and power. When I saw that vision, I thought, there's no way I could possess this much power. When the minute I speak the name, the storm would just start to cease and start to cower. And I'm thinking, that's, I mean, this storm was huge, and it looked like a principality in the heaven or power or a ruler, whatever that was. But he was afraid of me to go around me to attack the church because he knew he couldn't get through me. One man full of God. I mean, imagine Paul. Think about Paul. All the things that, that he did to throw the devil off one man. Peter, James, these are just one men who get full of God. Like dad always talks, Teal Osborne, one man full of God turned the whole world upside down. Smith Wigglesworth, one man, full of God. And what it really is, is he's, it's full of a revelation of the things of God. And so that's why um, I'm going to come to this, because the revelation of God is really um, what brings about the authority. Because I remember Brother Hagin says in his book, Visions, he said, God, God told him, he says, You're, you'll never have more authority than your obedience to me. I mean, I believe that when, we're, when we see the Christ, I believe that God, there is a training process he takes us through because God has not given you all the power of Christ to go out doing whatever you want as an untrained believer. I believe that the more that you're obedient, what did Jesus learn? Obedience to the things he suffered. God did not just give Jesus everything right away. Jesus 
learn to follow the will of the Father. Why? Because Jesus was going to be promoted to be heir of all. And so God had to know that his son was going to be obedient. That means when, when Saturday, when God says, I want you to go down to Capernaum, and Peter says, hey, um, you know, your mom says she wants to have dinner tonight. And Jesus says, no, I'm, I'm about my father's business. I'm about the father's will. God needs to know that his son, who's about to be heir of all, who with all authority and power, is going to be obedient. Even and think about how obedient Jesus was to the Father. I mean, everywhere the Father said go, he was going. Everything he said do, everything he saw, he did it. And the, and the power that Jesus walked in, I believe, was through the obedience that he had. And it's going to be the same way with us. Like Dad says, you know, when we went hunting, um, he didn't just hand me the biggest gun. He didn't let me walk back to camp with my gun. It was a little gun, a little 22 or 20 gauge. And as I showed obedience, then he promoted me and promoted me until I got an AR-15, and then a 308, and then a 50 cals, the next one. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But because of obedience, I mean, look, as what Jesus did, and think about what Jesus says in, in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. This is the picture I want you to put up of that last picture um, I, I gave to you. There's only one way. Yeshua came and talked with them and says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. Make, this, make people from all nations into Talmud, immersing them into the reality of the Father, in the Son, and, and the Holy Spirit is what that says. Now, that word Talmud is really interesting because I read that, and I thought I was reading all these different translations because I wanted to focus on the word go, and Jesus you know, the delegated authority of Jesus. But I started studying that word, and Talmud means in Hebrew, it's a student of a sage, and it is, the honor, it is a honorific title given to one well-versed in Jewish law. So it's talking about somebody, it's a very high title, and Jesus is saying, go, it's actually the word disciple, but in, in the Western, we don't really have a word for that, um, and I'm going to, here's another, the Talmud means, the word stresses a relationship between a rabbi, teacher, a master, a disciple, and student. A Talmud of Jesus' day would have given up his entire life in order to be with his teacher. The disciples didn't only seek to know what the teacher knew, as is usually the case today. It was not enough just to know what the rabbi said, but the foremost goal of any Talmud was to be like the rabbi and do what he did. So I, I thought that was really interesting. I think there's one more. Um, we don't have a, it says, uh, there's really no concept in Western thinking as an analog for Talmud. We translate it as a disciple or follower, but there's no place in our culture for someone who voluntarily seeks the full identity with his master, his or her master in all areas of life, who dedicates his or her life to becoming like the master in every way. To try to get this idea across, there are, um, analogies of trade apprentices who spend years with the master craftsman or the soldier at boot camp whose identity along with clothes, hair, and everything else is personally individual and is stripped away to be replaced by that of a soldier. Even these fall short. We have cults that force this identity on their subjects, but it's not, um, I mean, it, it can't really, really build, build up to the word what it means as a person who actually, so Jesus is saying, I want you, you have to immerse people in the reality of the Father. 
they're going to they're take a lifestyle, kind of like what, we're do, what we do here. You come every week and what we're doing in the Bible school. I mean, these people are immersing themselves into the, to be like the Christ in every way. But he's saying, all authority in heaven and go make them into this. Go make them. And the disciple, I think that word is so much more as a person who like solely is devoted to become like their master. That's like somebody saying, I'm going to go live with pastor in his house. I'm going to become like him in every single way. And that's what Jesus is saying that we're supposed to be doing in the earth, which to me is a lot um, more uh, studious than, or, or a lot more, it's a lot harder than our, our Western culture of come in, hear a sermon, and go home. Jesus is saying in order to get to this, this is the kind of lifestyle that you're going to have. And I believe that, um, you know, number one, a life of prayer is going, to, is going to bring that about. And I want to read something from Brother Hagin about this. Um, he prophesied this. He said, prayer is my foremost business. Prayer is my main business. I will give myself to prayer. My Father God hears me when I pray. He has said this in his word. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. I am that righteous man. For he knew no sin became sin for me that I might be made the righteousness of God in him. I am the righteousness of God in him. I am a righteous man. I must see to it that my prayers are fervent. I will be fervent. What it says, I will be fervent. For the enemy would endeavor to steal from you the blessings of God. The enemy would endeavor and will invade your homes, your lives, and your marriages. To be forewarned is forearmed. Intercede against the powers of darkness. Don't stop in your praying because things seem to change just a little bit. Keep on interceding until the full answer materializes or the entire burden lifts. Don't settle for 75% victory. Don't even settle for 90 or 99% victory. Settle for nothing less than 100% victory deliverance from darkness. The end of the age is coming upon this generation, and as a result, the powers of darkness and forces are evil and rampant as never before. They will be increased in intensity and velocity, and even many Christians will see and look upon these things and say, there's no use. We'll throw up our hands in futility and say, I guess it's all over, but we will have to hold on and pray that Jesus will come shortly, for the devil is about to take over everything. But thus says the Lord, in this day, I'm searching through the body of Christ to enlist soldiers in the army of prayer. I will raise up a new band. I will raise up a new army that will know how to intercede against the powers of darkness. And the light will dispel the darkness and the truth will set men free. And prayer and intercession will break the bands that bind men's spirits and bodies. Yeah, there will be those who will learn to take their place hurriedly. It must be hurriedly. It must be. Quickly, it must be. They must learn to enter in quickly and to stand against the forces of darkness and evil that would come upon the land, that will come upon the church, that would come against their home and would disrupt and destroy all that is good and that God has endorsed. But the hand of the Lord is upon those who will listen. And I urge, and the urge of God is in the spirit of those who are attentive, like what I said earlier. And the Spirit of God will help you pray. Do not try to do it yourself. There must, there must be labor on your part. At the same time, rest in him and let the Spirit flow through you like a river, like a mighty way. Let it uh, flow through you. Give vent until those innermost groanings and let them escape your lips. Take time to get alone and wait, sometimes not even saying anything. But on the inside of you, there is an agonizing, a flowing out of your spirit by the Holy Spirit to the Great Spirit, the Father of Spirits. And those shall be sustained and, and shall be kept in thy family and thy home shall be sure and steadfast. Thy children shall grow up strong and, 
and stalwart the Lord, and shall have no fear. But thou shalt intercede for thy neighbor, and thou shalt intercede for thy friend. Thou shalt intercede in your church, and that you have not come to the knowledge of truth, making sincere intercession on behalf. So the, so the light will shine, and the work of God will go forth. And the work is to be accomplished in these next few days and years that are just ahead of you. Surely be, um, will come because you were faithful. Amen. That is what the Spirit of God is saying. And I want you, you know, so he's saying, now I want you to close your eyes and lift up your hands and say, at heart, and not just doing it because I'm telling you to, but say, say, now I want you guys to pray this. Say, Lord, I will be one of those who will enlist in the army of God, in the army of prayer warriors. I will be faithful. I will be faithful in prayer. I will be in faithful in whatever place you set me. But most of all, I will be faithful in prayer. I will set myself this day to make a decision this day to be one of those that the Spirit of God can depend on. You can depend on me, Lord. Oh, blessed Holy Spirit, who lives in me, you can depend on me. Amen. I believe that that prophecy, and you can look it up, and I can send this out, the prophecy on prayer, and he was talking really about the last days and that how there is going to be much intercession that's going to be made. It's going to be made for lost people, for your neighbors, for your church, and if you're not interceding, you're not going to push back the forces of darkness. And I believe that as we get a revelation of that, that prayer is not just this thing where you, you got a clock time in and maybe you pray 15 minutes in your truck on the way to work. But there may be times where you, you're going you're gonna to give up. You're going to give up time. While everyone else is out playing at the beach doing things, you're going to sit home and pray. But God always, Mark Hankins always says, because he said this, he said, God always pays and rewards well for the, for the time that you spend with him. He, he's not unforgetful for the work and the love that you showed among the saints. He's not just wa- like turning a blind eye to your prayer and that what you reap, you will sow. And so I believe that the church is coming into a time, I mean, there's, I think more than ever this year, I've been sitting home and just praying. I mean, sometimes with all the stuff going on, you're watching. I just sit home and pray for an hour in the spirit. And I believe that the Lord has been taking and showing me these things. And he's shown me, like I said, that there is so much more power that a person in Christ, the same authority that Jesus has seated at the right hand of God, has that we're not using, that we don't realize. And sometimes you have to see it before these things actually happen. I had to, like Jacob, God had to give him a vision of the the sheep, of him coming out of poverty. God had to tell Abraham to look at the stars, to give him a vision of what God was trying to do in Abraham. And so I believe that that was kind of a vision for me and for me to share with people that really there's so much more power and authority against the forces of darkness. I mean, pray about everything. I pray about my truck. I pray about my car. I pray about my day. Like Mary Frances prophesied to your day. I'll say today is going to be a good day in Jesus' name. I mean, the other week, I mean, Bob knows we had the water break at the, um, at the road, and then the next day, the, the water broke for the sprinkler system, and then my truck had a problem and broke, and my car broke, and it's at Poppy's now. I mean, it's just like some days you're thinking, what in the world is going on? <laughs> and it's like you're constantly going to prayer and, and taking authority and saying, Satan, stop. Stop all your maneuvers against the church. Stop all your maneuvers against my family. And you're going to have to deal because Satan's persistent. And he said, don't settle for 75%, for 95%. Don't settle for 99. When things are starting to get better, 
Don't even settle. Settle only for 100% victory. And like Paul says, I, I'm earnestly, I stay in prayer for you all. Paul was a man of prayer, and look, I mean, how powerful that he was. Writ, wrote uh, three quarters of the New Testament. And so um, I'm going to go ahead and pray over us and uh, pray that we would, we would take this, um, in, these, in this last part of this year, this prayer, seriously for our president and for, and for the church. Heavenly Father, I pray that the church would get a revelation of who they are, that they are supermen, that there is a strength and a power in them, like God says, a power that's immeasurable and they're not using. I pray that the church would get a revelation. We would get a revelation, like Paul says. We would be taken to visions and revelations of you. And yes, like Paul says, these, this, this type of life is going to attract a messenger of Satan but Jesus says, my grace is sufficient for you. You're going to be fine. But you need to go to revelations about who you are in Christ. And I believe we receive that. I pray for President Trump and that he would make right decisions. I pray that he would know who he is in Christ and that we would pray for strength in him and the local body and strength and, and Mike Pence and the people in authority. And we bind all spirits of division and hostility and strife and division and civil wars in this nation, on our, on our state and over our, our city of Popka and our land and our homes in Jesus' name. All authority has been given to Jesus, Satan, and we are in Jesus. We are seated with Christ in heavenly places. So we're telling you to loose our land, to loose our, our friends and our family, loose our church, loose our finances in Jesus' name. Loose our president. Loose the, the people in government that you're controlling. Loose every person in the name of Jesus that, that, that is bound in, in our government and our local and in our state and our, and our nation in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you, Father, that we would be people, like Brother Hagin says, called to the army of prayer. We would constantly be praying and interceding for the will of God like Daniel Daniel was one man who prayed for the will of God to happen in his nation. And I pray that one man in this church praying for the will of God can affect so many. And I pray that each person will get a revelation of that, of how powerful they are. That the, that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is now dwelling in them and quickening their mortal body. And we pray this in your mighty name. And I pray that, Father, we'd hear testimony about this and that people would start, Father, I pray that you would let the morning bring word of your unfailing love to these people as they sleep. And you would protect them, Heavenly Father. And you would take them to revelations of your word. And take them to places in the spirit. That, Father, we would no longer, like Paul Young and Cho says, the Bible would no longer be superstition. But we would no longer be blind because it's just something we don't know. And I pray the scriptures will be open to us, Father God, from this point forward. And, and, and give us a revelation of the authority to continue to, to, to be um, who you've called us to be in the army. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big give now button. Or you can text 
855-535-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this. We grow Christians. So we thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.